Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com You can also find me at alanwattsentientsentinel.eu It's September the 6th, 2007 Today I've been thinking about a question many people have asked concerning the system in which we find ourselves living this monolithic system where economic man exists to serve an economic system this odd phenomena that came out of the industrial era a combination, a synthesis in fact of capitalism and Marxism something dimly understood by most people today when you understand the theories behind Marxism there is, it's based on the dialectic in fact it did not achieve what most of its followers thought most of its followers were actually middle class and Marx was voicing a theory that was current in his time he didn't come out with the theory he didn't invent it Bakunin and others and Pruden had come out with it prior to that and others in fact before them what Marx did was to basically steal what he saw as a spiritual force that was used up until that time to make everyone serve their nations and their kings and queens and priests and so on and what he did was to divert that spiritual force into the masses serving their oppressors because ultimately that's what it did rather than freeing a people they put their whole as a nation or, or, or a culture they put their whole energies into and giving it to in fact their oppressors, the economic system their physical life their spare time their thoughts, their ideologies all went over and were given to those in control of the material world creating a form of economic man that existed to serve the system the technique as they call it of the system the third way or wave was the synthesis of capitalism and communism one of the goals of communism was to centralize all power all authority all utility power electricity gasoline oil all resources into a central command a coupled with something which they did not omit and that was the expert class who already ran economics they knew they had to use it so they gave power to the high masters of economics which ended up running their whole lives for a long time and in the west they were doing the same thing under different guises and different terminologies if you look at the history the evolution of society in the West in the same period in the 1900s 
you'll find power was gradually being put into a bigger centralized system of bureaucracy and government control. War, of course, was one of the prime methods for using it because government expanded its powers over all things which were necessary to human life or sustainability, as it's now called. All farming, all production, food consumption and distribution and energy supplies. That's why it's not surprising to see us today in a more revamped, updated, more perfect, Sovietized system because we've been running on the same system under different names for a long time. If you want to see the real Soviet system, you have to look at the United Nations and its policies because all based on the economic man, the mass man serving a world state. When you serve in such a mass system, there can be no individuality at all, ultimately. You are a number. You are a producer and consumer. Again, look at the United Nations statements and policies because that is the epitome of the real Sovietized ideal. It was never to help the ordinary individual. In fact, in many ways, it was a war against the individual. The big lie was that individuals had always caused their previous problems in history, the selfishness of the occasional person here or there. Now, that's partly true. However, those particular individuals that were always brought up in reference happened to belong to organizations. So really, we're looking at personality types who belong to certain organizations that were behind much of the misery of the human race before that. Getting back to my question that people ask me, the question is, can we come through into a next phase and still retain all the good things. I take it for granted the good things are those things which they enjoy, the physical things in the materialistic world that they can buy and purchase and so on and play with. Or communications, science, in other words, can they bring it through? Because they look at the past as though it were barbaric or in fact, it horrifies them when you think of the conditions. But you can't compare the world of the pre-industrial revolution with the world of today as far as human happiness is concerned. Because people who lived in villages, and even the peasants, never missed what they never had. The peasant did not work from eight to five he would work at his own pace and he'd stop and chat to everybody on the way or who passed by him and crack jokes and so on. 
we get confused about work and labor for necessity. If you look at certain so-called primitive peoples who still exist today, they put a maximum of perhaps four hours out in collecting their food or preparing food or even planting or tending food. The rest of the day is theirs to do with as they please. With the industrial era came time in motions people, people who under the guise of science wanted to make efficiency the prime objective to all company organization. What they tried to do was to eliminate all useless or wasteful energy and time so that people could produce more, put more of their labor into their work. And that often meant that the person had to speed up to match the machine that he was working with rather than the other way around. And that's when, really, the big decision, the big changeover was made between the economic system serving humanity or humanity serving the economic system. We know who won because we serve it today. Prior again to the industrial era, there were many people who didn't have to be in a system if they chose not to. They didn't have the property taxes. They didn't have all the governmental bureaucracies down on them for putting a shack up in a forest. Today, everyone has been forced in to this one system and it's becoming more totalitarian as we go along. In towns and suburbs, it surprised me, especially when I first saw it in North America, I guess it's everywhere now, where you had street committees and neighborhood committees of, you know, the VIP people, the ones who were a bit more snooty than the rest and sat on the boards of the school, etc., all, all the Masonic types, the, the ones that belong to all those clubs you'll see at the beginning of every town on the huge billboard with all their little symbols. Mm. These are the people who form the committees. And they decide whether you can have two cars in, uh, outside your house or none at all, or how often, and I'm not kidding about it, your, your garage door is open per day. They set rules and regulations, even down to what color you paint your house outside. And you have to apply for permission to paint it. Well, it's either yours or it isn't. Which one is it? Which is, which is this here? Does this belong to you or does it not? If it belongs to you, which we know it doesn't, let's just pretend for a little while, if it belongs to you and you're paying all this up this death gauge, you know, the measure of death, the mortgage, then who should have any say in what colour you want to paint it, even if you want to do it polka dot? But this is the standardization technique we're all forced into. And it didn't happen by chance because under the Soviet system it was similar. You had street committees there too, although you rented primarily your, your accommodation. The same as we do, we just rent really. You just pay more rent for more luxurious accommodation in a better area. 
we pretend we own them until you can't afford the taxes. Then you find the government will kick you out with lots of compassion, of course. The Soviet system was the model for the West. Under the UN habitat areas, all of that was discussed, you see, including these committees and these street committees and region committees, this ever-growing pyramid of petty voluntary bureaucracies with people who seek status and titles. We have the policies of the Soviet all around us. We grow up in it. They just don't use the same names. They don't call it communism. They call it communitarianism. And that's why every local television or radio station across your country, if you tune into your, your news, will have little fairs going, little special days and galas. And that's your community events, you see. Eventually, you'll be required to attend. Eventually, you'll be quizzed and interrogated as to why you didn't attend. Are you antisocial? And perhaps they should do another IQ and psychological evaluation with you. That is all coming. This technique of centralization by its own nature must eliminate competition that has been going on since before I was born in the west they simply call them takeovers as big corporations took over little corporations and absorbed them like a cell eating up bacterium the state, the governments and bureaucracies like that because it's easier for them to communicate to one group that controls all of your electricity for instance or your phone conversations than to deal with a whole multitude of competing small firms so by its nature the beast must absorb everything into it to centralize everything you see what we think is cooperation between all information outlets and sources and companies via telephone, computer, fax, etc. with governments as they pass on information to governmental departments under this total information networking system. Something everyone has heard of but they don't care much about today. They don't mind being tapped and traced and everything the same do, being recorded, or by, or whatever. Most people don't mind, they're happy slaves. And the problem is not theirs, the problem is for those few who enjoy privacy. Privacy was a thing that people fought for physically in past wars. The right to have privacy and even the right to have your own home. It didn't take long before government quietly it took over all of that, including your home and including your privacy. 
always for a good reason for the masses, which is to keep you safe. From whom we ask? Must keep everyone else safe? Because you've got terrorists amongst you. Because ultimately, as we merge, as I say, into this bigger and bigger and bigger blob that absorbs everything, everyone must be predictable. Everyone must be accountable and predictable for their every move. Because psychopathy runs the system. And psychopaths are control freaks. Now, control freaks are found all throughout society. In fact, it's a fact of nature that every living organism, including the amoeba, will try and control its immediate environment in order to give it a better chance of survival. The problem is, how much do you control for necessity's sake? And when does it become exaggerated and neurotic or psychotic for that matter and destructive? Being human, we have the ability to have choices and this is what we used to call our base nature versus our higher nature or spiritual values versus our physical needs. Matter, spirit, higher, lower, whatever terms you use, it's the same thing. But we do have the ability to choose and decide is something that little, that little amoeba does not. How much damage do we cause as we go through life personally and collectively? Yet within society, there is a need expressed by many for individualism it first shows itself generally in what we now call teenagers, a recent expression, to be honest with you, as they separated the age groups and created what they call a teenager, the rebel, which is not rebellious so much at all, is someone trying to establish their own identity inside a family relationship and amongst their friends and the system that was the first weak spot that was utilized by those who knew the system and knew human nature they gave us the fashions to separate them even further and it doesn't matter that those young ones don't know that all they're doing is being given an old fashion under a new guise as long as the youngsters think that they're special You'll find them all wearing the same things, doing the same things, and even adopting the, the language that's projected at them. They don't dream up the terms that the use is given to them through movies and various other methods. When the 60s came out, suddenly it was fashionable to have longer hair for the males, which is fine. I'm not really into the short hair myself because it's reminiscent of the military culture going back to ancient Rome. All the soldiers there had the crew cut. That's where it comes from. And they shaved almost to the skin, the back of the, the neck, upwards. 
So short haircuts were meant for military. And when you find a society with everyone having short haircuts, you're in a military-style society. But during the 60s, they made it fashionable for a short time for the younger ones to have longer hair, and the men adopted hairstyles which had actually been in, in vogue in the 1800s. They didn't know that, of course. The girls adopted the miniskirt, something that had been brought out in the 1920s. But as long as they think it's new and they're the first to use it, and you keep them in ignorance, you can, you can do it over and over again. Plato in the Republic talks about the industries necessary for creating and controlling culture. The fashion industry was one of them, and the music industry, and drama, which we now call movies. What we see today is not simply a matter of a collective going through a hoop and into a very narrow channel. That is true, it's happening, but as always we have the few who like or strive for individuality. Individuality that doesn't harm other people. Although they will be accused of that by the mass system eventually. Anyone who doesn't go along in the system is looked upon with suspicion and paranoia and a threat even by those who understand little which is the the mass itself. The mass wants to be one. They want to conform, conform, into uniformity. One form. That's the nature of the mass man in all ages. Look the same, be the same, have your street the same colors, have the same point, so many children, two point whatever, etc., etc., standardization, uniformity and conformity. That's what it's all about. The battle between that and the few individuals within every generation who want to achieve a potential by themselves, to see what they can do with themselves by themselves, not to dominate others, but to explore the world around them and all of its facets. It's interesting to notice that all authorized rebellious groups, no matter if they take the form of a sexual freedom, an economic freedom, or whatever else they're after, always end up in a huge group that's registered. And they're happy with that, being part or a subsection, a subculture within the culture, as long as they're authorized to do so and follow the main rules of the collective. What is it, though, that the big boys want, the ones, the big psychopaths, the ones who get to the top and ride on an ego, an ego that can't be quietened, they must boast about it because that's a sign of psychopathy. 
and has to do with power. George Orwell gave that as an answer in the book, 1984, where Winston is being tortured by his boss, who belonged to the a hierarchy. And O'Brien, his boss, answered that power was what they were after, to maintain power forever, more power and more power, total power. And total was the right word to prefix it or preface it. Power itself, like all things, has a dialectical meaning. One meaning is to have power over someone else. And that means the ability to dominate. The other means you have a power to do something, to be able to do something. You have an ability. This is always reduced to a basic thing in life, and that's potency. That's why so much sexual terminology is used in all the high Masonic organizations. It's all sexual language for everything. And there's more and more sexual language involved the higher up they go. It's to do with potency and virility, etc. The obelisk speaks for itself. But the power or ability is also called potency. To have ability doesn't mean you want to dominate. It means you have an ability or a mastery in the sense of ability. Power, therefore, can mean domination or potency, as far as ability goes. When power is used in the sense of domination over others, it's a perversion of potency or ability. Just like the sexual sadist is a perversion of a sexual lover. We always have the dialectic side by side. Therefore, what it's showing you is that when we talk about things, you might see something one way, but the person who's talking with you in a group can mean something completely different. That is why the words that we use have to be thought out very carefully. Politicians do that, at least their script writers do it for them. And lawyers do it all the time. Yet the average person will use words and terms and phrases they think they understand, but really don't. It's no different than when someone talks about God in a Christian culture. They all take it for granted they're talking about the same impression of the same being. And that's why they're hoodwinked by people like George Bush, who was asked when he was, if he was a Christian, he said, if you're asking if I was born again, the answer is yes. 
and that satisfied the Christians. They heard a term of a, a term familiar to them. They immediately placed it in their little memory bank, compared it to all the other phrases for acceptance, and bingo, Georgie was suddenly a Christian. But all he said was, if you're asking if I was born again, the answer is yes, and he was, because in masonry you're raised up from the dead in a ceremony, and you're born again. You can be hoodwinked so easily by deliberate misapplication of terminology. And love itself can have many, many meanings to different peoples. That's why you can take nothing for granted when you hear these pithy, meaningless phrases that come out of politicians' mouths when they sign big international agreements to merge or centralize, as we're doing now. We're centralizing power even more so. Centralization. Been going on really big time since the 1800s. That's what the American Civil War was about. That's what the big referendums in Canada were about as it brought in the provinces, which were technically independent in the beginning from each other or a centralized power. Now they're simply the big economic boys are going the next step of merging the nations together in the Americas. They've already done it with Europe. A Europe where countries often voted no a few times in a row. But the big boys will keep at it and at it and terrify the public and tell you you'll be left behind, you'll be left out of the trading group, you'll you'll turn back to barbarism and poverty. You'll miss out, you'll be left behind. Hmm. They love that word behind. But then high priests often do. In the Americas, they're a little bit more arrogant because everyone is living so well compared to the rest of the world simply because of the free or easy availability of credit. It's have fun and consume. And why should you bother your pretty little head about little details like merging a continent together when you can have fun Live for today. You want it now, don't you? Bye, bye, bye. Therefore, they're very arrogant about it. They're in the open with it, and they give you these silly platitudes. Like inner strength, we have unity and diversity, and blah, 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 which is enough to satisfy the public, who've been trained that the boys at the top somehow have their best interests at heart, because they're special people, who come out of different wombs and no one t- would tell such whopping big lies simply because I couldn't lie like that and that's why they get away with it they're arrogant in their push towards centralization and that's not the end of it all because once the Americas are done and the Pacific area is done and Australia and New Zealand are lumped in with Vietnam and a whole bunch of other countries then the United Nations, shortly, in fact, as this is all happening now, the United Nations will come to the fore and take over the reins as it was set up to do in the first place. 
It will have the sole ability to decree its policies out to the public of all countries who must suddenly obey or else because the UN will will be the world policeman after the China takes over from the US for a little while and they will make all the laws from the UN they've been making all the laws in fact from the UN for many years now and simply having every government sign them into law in their own nations all resources have to be given over to the UN as well because as I say we're dealing in an economic system here where all necessities of life must be dished through a centralised organisation and that is what the UN mentioned in its Department of Agriculture some years ago when the leader was talking about how food had been used in past times as a weapon and as a a tool of force to, to force people along and that is very true it always has been but she also hinted that it would be used again and we saw that happening in Gulf War One, when they starved the Iraqis and then they gave them this food for oil scam that the head of the UN's son was involved in and managed to come out with lots of detergent as squeaky clean although some of it still stuck to him because you see there are no saints at the top no matter what charitable organisation they front for The oldest trick in the book is charity. Hard to attack something when it seems to be so benevolent and altruistic, at least in its words. But then you know them in their deeds, not their words. It's by their works you know them. And the United Nations was quite comfortable starving people to have a political end met remember that this last weekend in Iceland the United Nations sponsored a world meeting which of course we're all invited to eh? that's why they they hold them in such countries hmm? but they invited all the scientists from different nations all UN affiliates of course to come to this conference on world food and the future and the agribusiness people were all there the Archer Daniels, Midland, Adam you see Earth, Red, Ruddy, etc so these guys all ended up going there to get their marching orders for the future because the United Nations will be the sole distributor of all food to all places or regions as they prefer to call it or states in the future and that is to keep your populations in check then your subcommittees beneath them or provincial governments as your national governments will eventually be called will have to enforce that just like China because the UN has stated that China's policies on, on population control are to be used worldwide it is the model state for the world and it's not finished at its present policy it will go on to another phase beyond that so they had this world meeting 
in Iceland to do with food and the world and the future. And we see these little bits and bites that are fed to us to condition us to think that everything's been taken care of by experts. Well, you see, the only expert that you have is yourself if you're planning your own life. When someone else does it for you, you're in big trouble, especially when it comes to the basic necessities for personal survival, which is food and water. So for those who are interested in it, I'm sure they can do their web searches themselves, not phoning me or emailing me to do it for them, and find out what the conferences gave out to the public to consume in bits and bytes of information. These meetings have been going on for many, many years. And that's what they talk about is sustainable development. That entails the population. And yes, you out there are members of what they can claim are the population. You, you are one of the masses. You're in the mass. You're a part of the mass, according to them at the top, because you're a number and a good producer-consumer. These are the people who spray us like bugs with international air forces, alter the weather, have us inoculated with stuff that no one has the ability to analyse, all based on faith. Every doctor believes that it's in that little vial is what it says it is, and injects it into little Timmy, who ends up with autism, and then it's told they're told that it's just one of those things as the autism rate goes up and up and up and attention deficit goes up and up and up then the pharmaceutical business goes up and up and up as they dish out more and more pills to deal with the side effects inoculations it's quite the world we live in and at the top the wise guys the wise guys are streetwise you see so they're wise guys they understand this, they see through everything, they laugh to themselves. It's the trained population who are allowed to perceive things in an obedient fashion who are always hoodwinked and who never figure it out. The victims, you see. Under the guise of charity and good works, secret societies have been around for thousands of years. And if you wonder why they use a little square, you know, where they square their offspring, their potency, just think of where it's hanging. It's made of sheepskin, traditionally. Guess who the sheep are? Yeah, and you're getting it coming and going. Because these characters get all the contracts in your area. They dish out the goods, they split it between them. They purchase from their own stores, each other's stores, and neglect the ones who don't belong to their societies. And they cross their palms with silver, or notes, as I've seen done, to government inspectors for certain favours. That's what's behind the charitable organisations. 
and the clowns you see. They drive little fancy cars and parades and wear fun little hats. Check into what the hat came from and your ignorance, especially in Christian America, because it's when the Malamutes slaughtered a bunch of Christians, supposedly, by tradition, the victors soaked their hats in the blood. And then you have these geezers driving their fun little cars like clowns and making your children laugh or scream at parades. If it doesn't fez you, nothing will. Ignorance is essential for totalitarian systems to succeed. Ignorance is mainly fostered through creating a spoiled, childish society, a socialist society, where no one wants to grow up. Look around, and unfortunately for most people it has been successful, because for a few generations there haven't been any older people, or very few, with wisdom to pass on in any great, large, social-changing fashion. That is an immature society who are easily who's easily hoodwinked. That's a technique that's been used on the public. A world run by experts who can talk utter nonsense to you but say it convincingly and you're fooled so easily. No different from ancient times when priests would tell you that you couldn't use a fire anymore because there was magic in the fire and they were the gods of fire so you pay them a fee to have them light your fire for you since it was sacred before it wasn't sacred, now it is sacred but give it one generation and every child that grew up thought it was all true they had to obey this because it simply existed that way logic was out the window conditioning was in and conditioning won these cons have been pulled off forever and ever. Now, it's just the same trick by using the term expert. As Bertrand Russell said, big player at Tavistock and others after him, that they would create a world run by experts where no one could do anything without expert advice. What is it that every profession must do when it comes into being? It must convince the people that they need it. They start off as services and end up being authorities over you, making laws and rules that you must obey. And prior to the medical profession taking over, Childbirth, and now even prenatal, where they, they they go through all this farce with most women, and weigh them and so on, and have a little chat and bill you, or bill the public, depending on the system that you're in. But they convinced the people gradually that that they needed them, they were essential. But they started off with passing out the occasional 
unfortunate incident that happened, blowing it out of all proportion, terrifying everyone and giving themselves a business. That's what they do in business. Create a crisis, or at least blow something out of total proportion to what it is, and come along with a solution, which is uni does. And all Hollywood movies really pushed that to the front from for the very earliest times. And yet people forget that when Hollywood first came out, that most children were delivered by midwives in the Western countries, had been traditionally for centuries and centuries and centuries. We forget, too, that American Indian women simply walked off in the bush and had them. No screaming, crying, or hysterics, because they hadn't heard about the fact that you're supposed to be screaming and crying and hysterical, at least in those days. And China was much the same. So something that happened forever and ever, millions of years, suddenly became crisis time, and a big business flourished out of it. But not content with that, they also had you conditioned that you would continue to need them. And something that's born naturally, at least with all of its things intact, suddenly becomes the object of inoculations and becomes a pincushion for the, for the pharmaceutical companies and also for some nefarious agendas to dumb people down rather quickly to ensure early onset of sterility and a whole host of premature aging diseases. That's what the statistics will show you if you go through the history of diseases and what's prevalent today. It's also what you'll find when you go through the books, like Charles Galton Darwin's Next Million Years, where he talks about tampering with the hormonal levels of men and women to create certain desired effects on behalf of the elite. It's quite the horror show, but these guys are not giving you a wish list, they're not giving you a conspiracy theory, the term that the elite put out themselves, so that everyone will get labelled with it. It's not a conspiracy theory. They've had global meetings on population reduction. They have a department, the United Nations, of population control. What do you think that means? Hmm? Just people who get together like a club and just wish for things? Do you think they get paid the big salaries that they do, given all the status they do, and the international importance that they, that they have because they like to wish their lives away? Or do you think they actually go ahead and do it? These are weighty problems that we have, and yet only a few can deal with it. Others want to play. Don't give me the bad news. Get a life. Be happy, like the song says. What is happiness? Is happiness being like all the people in the advertisements? Who have orgasms when they buy a new toothpaste? Or a treadmill machine? Or some new version of a hula hoop that gets rid of the fat around their stomach from all the burgers they eat because of all the other ads they watch for the big fast food companies? Is that what happiness is? Happiness must come from within. 
It doesn't come from purchasing something. When you purchase something that's new, it's transitory. The high is transitory. Something the big advertising agencies are well aware of. If you were satisfied with what you could buy, you'd stop purchasing when you were satisfied. Therefore, capitalism and its system creates dissatisfaction with what you have. That's why they come out with new and improved all the time, with bells and whistles that break. In the higher studies of sociology, it's well understood how authority works and how it's utilized and can be utilized to make people do that which is planned for them by others. Part of this comes from the understanding of conscience, something that everyone has, we hope, except for the psychopath. Conscience came to the fore during a very brief period of individualism when the Protestant religions were taken over from Catholicism they were emerging whereas the old system was based on rules and regulations and again a collective society where you obeyed authorities without question and lived to an extent in fear fear of the unknown fear of the supernatural and fear of hell when the Protestant religion came out for a little while people in between both of them realized that they had a sense of will or freedom that was submerged very quickly as the Protestant religion gained momentum and became a big authority itself as all things must do in this dialectic of ours but conscience is a harsh ruler it's just as great as an external authority those at the top understand this process and therefore give you those things which make you think you are you they give you a composite you what is good at the time is what you become and if you go against that which is good or authorized at the time the conscience kicks in it can be very destructive to the person who goes against it however they forget all about human nature because human nature wants to go one way while the conscience goes another you kick against the brick the pricks that's the old saying people today think that they're free because they are good they are good because they obey the system of the time in which they live that's how everyone accepts it without much thought they don't think much about the culture they live in or the times that they live in they take it for granted but they think they're free because they're told they're free and they can play a lot more than they used to they can break a lot of the old rules which they couldn't in past times because you have new rules today they think they're under less authority in fact but they're under more see authority today has made itself completely 
invisible except for the policeman. It stays out of your way until you fall within the system and can't pay for something, your car, your insurance, your road taxes, your licensing, your mortgage, or you can't keep a job, or you get sick. That's when authorities, which are invisible, come forward rather quickly and take over your life. This authority that's invisible is anonymous until it appears when you fall. It's called many things. It's called government. It's called science, psychic health, normality, common sense, or public opinion. It appears to use primarily persuasion to get its way with you. Look at the ads on television. It's all to do with persuasion. The ads have no problem in telling someone or everyone or anyone that if your face broke out in these particular pimples, you'll be ugly. Do you want to be like this one? And they show you, show you some young guy who's very embarrassed and he, all the girls are turning away from him. They have no problem in telling you what you want to be. That's how subtle persuasion works. They have no problem in discrimination and discriminating to get the point across. And they do it frequently. This anonymous authority is more effective than having the king's men go out with their spears and clubs to make you do something. Because, as I say, it's invisible until you fall. It's more effective than avert authority is. You don't realize you're expected to go along certain guidelines to follow them. Simply because everyone else is following them, you go along. When it becomes the culture, it doesn't dawn on you that it's all wrong, or that you're being guided, or coerced, or persuaded. And as long as you can play, you'll appear to be quite happy as long as, again, you don't get sick or lose your job or fall within the system. You'll also be terrified of dying because I'm getting old too, because in this system of producing and consuming, the elderly take the bottom of the ladder. The young ones too, to an extent, at least the young ones can grow up to be good producers, consumers and taxpayers, whereas the elderly will only consume. Therefore, that's bad, you see. And we can see it by the way they're treated in the system, the society, and in even the plays you see or the movies that you see where they portray elderly people as all being senile or silly or eccentric or foolish or childlike. That's deliberate, you see. Very deliberate. 
but then you must get rid of the elderly who could pass wisdom on in previous times if you want to control each up-and-coming generation completely. You must get rid of those who have inputs and wisdom to pass on. As the song goes, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. You don't know what it is until it's gone. Many people think they're free because they can pull out a credit card and hop on a plane or go to Disneyland or go to a good restaurant. These are only authorized methods of consumption for which you will have to pay up by producing or else. Nothing in the system is for free. People, as I say, getting back to the original thing, what good can you bring through from the present system into the next? Well, that's up to yourselves. Once you're addicted to certain lifestyles, it's very hard for people to go without. It's deprivation to them. Whereas those who never had it can survive because there's no loss to begin with. But science and the system can only go in one direction of ultimate total efficiency. And all the playing that people do at the moment is to disappear as they create new types of humans who won't need entertainment, who won't sit and stuff their faces with chips and things in front of television sets. They won't need the downloading of propaganda from the television sets. They won't need the media, in fact, which is one blessing about it all. Once everyone's brain-chipped and purpose-made, except for the elite themselves, they'll have their utopia, and that's what they must do because they have no option. They can only go in one direction, and they must use all sciences to get there. That's their persona, it's their nature. They have no choice. The trick is to make us all go along as they update normalcy continuously right in to that box of oblivion at least for the conscious mind for many they will take a chip quite willingly if the conditions are stressful the system in which they've been brought up suddenly seems to be falling down they can't play they can't buy they can't do all the things that they're used to doing through conditioning, they will gladly give it up to alleviate distress. Those who are already glued in front of television sets and zonk out with the jaw hanging open are already part way there. That's a symptom of those who need escapism because reality is too stressful. They don't understand this reality they live in. They think it's themselves that's at fault for not being happy, as all the ads tell them to be. And all the modern psychiatry, psychiatry itself being a fairly new science, and full of quackery too and fads and theories that can keep getting reversed generation after generation, heavily tied with the eugenics system, 
of World War II up to the present, psychiatry itself convinces them that you're supposed to be happy all the time, which is, has never been a truism in all of history. But you can convince enough people of that with enough propaganda, and they will believe it. That is why most conversations today are trivialistic and meaningless. They're approved conversations, approved by the system. They're politically correct conversations. It's just passing time, not heartfelt information. Before you know what you're fighting for, you have to know what you what you have what for what you have actually is. Most people don't know what they have at the moment or what they're in. They think the system has just suddenly gone bad. They have no idea of the sciences and the histories that have brought them to this point, this phase in time. And they think if they just vote out the bad guys, the good guys will make it all better. Again, the socialistic training they've all had, that someone else will do it all for them. A a father figure, either saving them from catastrophe as a messiah, although they prefer, to be honest with you, a man in a suit and tie, who says all the right things on a platform raised above them, he is altered, he is above them. That's what an altar stands for. They prefer the walking kind, the the human two-legged type, who says all the right things and promises them like a good daddy should do to anything else, to anything supernatural. And yet it doesn't matter who you vote in, they all belong to the same club. They all know the agenda, they all know who's given them their marching orders because they all work for one group, the capstone of the pyramid. And the system itself is monolithic, it can't go any other direction but the one that it's growing on. Now for those who think I'm doing really great financially, I don't get paid anything, never have for any of the radio or television shows I've done. I rely upon your contributions. I rely upon you to keep this going. And when it stops, and when it's dwindling off, and it is at the moment, then I will stop doing it, and you'll be left to go around in circles with the old stuff that will be presented to you of voting for this guy, voting for that guy, and just wishing for it all to become better and to keep everything that you have while it does become better and get more of it too. And this side against that side or that religion against that religion or this race against that race and so on. The old tricks that the big boys at the top play because you see the psychopaths and the wise guys who are at the top of all nations, belong to the one club. They merged long ago. 
people ask me before they want to know how they got here, what's the answer? Because they're used to some expert coming along and giving them instant answers to everything. I tell them you got to start thinking for yourself and you have to find out how you did get to this stage. What is this reality that everyone accepts? You have to do the work. If you leave it to other people, you'll be dominated by them. That's the whole point of it. What do you find of value in life? What do you find is worth preserving or going back to, if necessary, or the parts of human nature that you want to preserve? Or family, or whatever. Others want instant answers with their drive through coffees and burgers. Don't give me the problem, give me the solution. Here's the money. Those people will always be in the darkness. As I say, I try to give information here to show you how it's developed, what's behind it. And don't just want to, don't just blame other people for this. People ask for names, names, names. You'll see the names in all the famous players and famous families' books that every country churns out at the top. The interbred ones in every culture, every society. But remember, they're simply amplifications of what's within yourself. That's what they are. And never mistake the fact that many people hate because they envy. You have to be honest with yourself before you can be honest with anything else. Especially to do with something called truth. Truth doesn't play games. Truth doesn't care. What you want to think, it simply is what it is. It doesn't care what you want it to be. So if you want to keep this going, you can help out. Otherwise, I can go back to teaching very small groups and getting some money for it. I hate the money system. We're all in it, though. It's the only system we have until it changes to the next one or people find another way. From Hamish, my dog, and myself, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.